0: Uh, grateful when a group of young adults would show up and they could be doing anything else they wanted with their time and they show up to lead worship. I don't care if it's Wednesday or Sabbath or whatever day it is, thank you that you gave your time this week to lead worship with us. Hey, good evening. How's everybody? I heard alive, great, not bad. It's a little diversity in the room. There's a little diversity in the room, so I'm going to ask you tonight, what do you think are the most frequent dreams we have as human beings, the most frequent dreams we share in common? Not, not all the details, just kind of the big picture dreams, the ones you can say out loud. What was your question? Okay, do you have a comment? Okay, can you want to name a dream? Anybody want to try? Falling. Yeah. We'll see if you're hey, he can find you good you're on it tonight. You're on it tonight. You calmed down since last night. That's what you think. That's what I think. We're gonna see. Falling is one of them. Yeah, that's on the top ten list of most common dreams. What else do you think? Being chased. Being chased. Well, yes it is. On the list. <laughs> Being chased in the smoky mountains. <laughs> Actually, I took a walk on a road this morning that was a, a no outlet road off into the foliage, and all I could think was a, a bear's coming, a bear's coming, <laughs> bear's coming, being chased. That's on the top ten list. What else do you think? Dying. dying, dying is on the list. I took, I forgot my gravestone, grave tomb marker, but dying's on the list. It's on the top ten. What else? Your teeth, teeth. You people are good. What'd you do? Snoop at the file? you watch oh I see yes your teeth falling out even if you go to the dentist it is on it's on the top 10 dreams what else flying flying is true there was an eagle soaring you didn't get being naked that is on the list (laughs) being naked in public in fact anybody who's a pastor preacher in the room we have this dream every Friday night before the microphone goes on, Sabbath morning, being naked in public is on the list. What else? Okay, you're coming to the bottom of the barrel. No pun intended. <laughs> being back in school. So, about school, test taking, yes. failing, passing, getting kicked out. That's on the top 10 list as well. Did we exhaust them, or is there one more? Two, Two more. This is a test. Can you do two more? See, now you're to the dreams you really can't say out loud, aren't you? I fear that. We all have those. Give us one more. Yeah. Give us one more. Ah, this is on the top ten list that we have to go to the bathroom and we can't find a toilet. That's your problem? I guess... I guess when you come to camp meeting, you can confess these things. This is her problem. You stay after. We'll we'll pray for you tonight. And one more. Yeah, that we're in an out-of-control car that will land anywhere. Anybody have that dream? You dream that you're in control of the car, don't you? And you're driving at very high speeds. My father had a a little MG and and a Corvette. My father was a car guy and he loved to drive drive at those high speeds. I had that dream that we veered off the road and landed where the bears are with the naked people with your teeth falling out. (laughs) I'm so good I have all the dreams at once. (laughs) Nowhere on the list of most common dreams is the dream we're talking about tonight The dream the disciple Peter has one day when he falls asleep, waiting for his lunch to be made. Falls asleep, you know the story. The sheet descends from the heavens, and in the sheet is every kind of creature that walks and crawls. It's like a zoo full of animals that descend out of the sky. And Peter, who happened to fall asleep while he was hungry, gets the command eat, pick your lunch. You know the dream in Acts 10 and 11, the is told there. Peter responds just, just a spontaneous, no, never. It's the only time the word is used in the Bible. It's an interesting word. No, never. I will never. Peter looks at the sheet and he can't believe that this would be an option. Everything he sees on the sheet is not on any menu of what he would ever eat. It's almost as if, and who is this voice tempting me, thinking I can eat these animals? No, never. And Peter wakes up. While Peter is still scratching his head, trying to understand what in the world was that dream, and his stomach is growling, there comes a knock at the door. A group of men say, hey, Peter, we need you to come to see Cornelius, the man Cornelius. Peter hasn't even begun to figure out his dream, and he goes on his way to see Cornelius. Now, Cornelius is a pretty big deal in his own circle of influence. Cornelius is an officer in the Roman army. He lives in this veteran community by the coastline, Caesarea Maritime. And Cornelius has his own family and his own people. Here's the deal with Cornelius he worships God, the same God Peter knows, the same God the disciples know. And uh, since the Jews have left Jerusalem, it's been a few months, years now since Jesus has been resurrected and left them alone. Since everyone left Jerusalem, well, uh, some of them have wandered through Cornelius' town. He knows some of these Jews. He's even been nice to them had compassion on them. But they call him Cornelius, the God worshiper, because he's different. And the storyteller wants us to know he's not part of Peter's people. He's not part of the Jewish people. He's not that. He's something else. So the storyteller gives us that cue in Acts chapter 10 and 11. Cornelius, the God fear. Yeah, he goes to synagogue, pays his offerings. He has compassion, but he's not like Peter and all the rest of them. So Peter arrives at Cornelius' house. Now, Cornelius is done. Think of like what your mama would do when you say, hey, I just want a small party. And they invite everybody in the neighborhood. (laughs) Cornelius got all of his friends and family there. So by the time Peter knocks on the door, there's a whole room full of people. Cornelius doesn't know why he's asked for Peter to come because Cornelius has had his own dream. Just send for Peter. He doesn't know what Peter's going to say to him. Just send for him. Now Peter's standing right in front of him. He opens the door. Cornelius sees Peter, throws himself down at his feet to worship. And Peter says, stop it. Get up. I'm just a human like you. That's his actual line. I'm just a human like you. And then Peter goes on to say this to him. We're in Acts 10 and 11. You can read the story tonight or tomorrow if you'd like. I'm just going to put a couple of verses on the screen for us. Acts chapter 10, verse 28 Peter says to all of them, you realize it's forbidden for Jew, me, to associate with you or visit with you, all of you outsiders. You realize what we're doing right now, I'm not supposed to be doing. Does everybody understand that you've called me here and this is forbidden? Is everybody, are we all on the same page? Peter says to all the people who've gathered to understand what Peter's going to say to them, you might be a good guy, Cornelius, you might go to synagogue, you might pay your offerings, you might even worship our God but you're not us, and I'm not supposed to be here, Peter says to Cornelius. Do you understand there's a violation? Peter goes on to say, however, God has shown me that I should never call a person unpure or unclean for this reason. When you sent for me, I came without objection. I want to know then, why did you send for me? Having this very dynamic. I'm here. What do you want? Well, Cornelius said, Well, I had my own dream. I don't know why you're here. (laughs) (laughs) I was just told to call for you. So if you're all that, (laughs) I sent for you right away. Verse 33 You were kind enough to come. Here we are, gathered in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has directed you to say, Peter. Get on with it, Peter. Cornelius says, So Peter says this, I really am learning, I love this part, I really am learning that God doesn't show partiality to one group of people over the other. Rather, in every nation, whoever worships him, you get this notion like, Peter, did you mean to say this out loud? Peter's having his aha moment. There was a sheet with all these animals, and God says they're all clean, and Peter doesn't really know what the dream meant. And all of a sudden, he's in Cornelius' space, and he just opens his mouth. Well, I, I'm really learning something here. <laughs> There's free-flowing ideas here. I, I'm really learning that God doesn't show partiality. and he, he, he keeps talking. Rather, every nation, anyone who worships him, does what is right, is acceptable, this is the message of peace he, God, sent to the Israelites by proclaiming the good news through Jesus Christ. He's the Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee. Uh, you get the idea Peter's been preaching to himself, but now he kind of snaps too, and he moves into his sermon proper, and he tells the people about Jesus, what Jesus has been up to and all that they've witnessed. This is the same Peter we mentioned last night. Who three times was asked, do you love me? Three times Peter had the same dream with the sheet coming down out of heaven. Three times he had the option to answer the voice differently. Three times he said, no, never. Now he's in front of Cornelius saying, I think I'm really learning a new thing. By the way, did I tell you about Jesus yet? We followed him all around. We watched all of this healing. They killed him. God raised him. After God raised him, we had meals with him. We all ate together. Did you know that this same Jesus offers forgiveness of sins to you? While Peter's talking, the storyteller says, the Holy Spirit starts to fall. And Peter and his guys look around and say, well, the Holy Spirit's falling. I guess we better baptize them. It's sort of like a mini Pentecost of what happens in the beginning of Acts, Acts chapter 2, right? So Peter and his friends, they start baptizing Cornelius, his household, his friends. We don't know how many are baptized that day. Narrator tells us they they were invited to stay for a while. Cornelius said, come and stay, and we, we want you to be in our home, and we imagine. They shared meals and conversation, and they told one another stories about their life. We don't know what they did for a few days because the Bible doesn't say. Peter eventually leaves and goes back to Jerusalem. When he comes back to Jerusalem, they're excited to hear of baptisms. They're, They're thrilled at the growth of the Jesus movement. They're inspired that Peter actually witnessed. Wouldn't you imagine when he goes back to Jerusalem? When he goes back to Jerusalem, when Peter arrived... The believers argued with him, you fellowshipped with Gentiles and you even ate with them. No, they're not thrilled and inspired and overjoyed at the growth of the Jesus movement. They're angry. And Peter's in trouble. The offense is that Peter hung out. That was a word that was used this morning in the 11 o'clock Bible study. I like that. Peter hung out, he occupied their space, he stayed with them for a while. That's the offense when he gets back to his home church to talk about it. They're worried because Peter's come back now, and will he bring the contamination? Will he spoil their group back in Jerusalem? Will they somehow get distracted? Is there, will there be something wrong with them now? Because the outsiders are creeping in through Peter. There's a problem in the Jesus movement, the people who are supposed to be on the way with Jesus. How can you get on the way with Jesus When you're back home in Jerusalem arguing, it's an interesting problem. I need some help this evening. We're going to see if we can illustrate what I think is going on inside of Peter's head. Because we are Peter in the room tonight. I am Peter. Let me start with that. Two helpers. It's nice if you're related or you like each other or know each other, but it's not a requirement. Just need two helpers. You're not going to get hurt. No one will be harmed or injured. (laughs) I'm not going to give you a microphone and make you embarrass yourself. Thank you. There's one, there's two. Beautiful. I think we can actually go up on top of the. Will you go up on top of the little stage here? I'm going to mo- touch Rick's mic. Rick, I'll put it back. Just to be safe. And you see there's a nice guitar there we're going to avoid, right? Beautiful. This is your end of the rope, and that's your end of the rope, and you know what happens when you each have an end of the rope, right? All right. We're going to help you, though. This is what I—we're th- going to try and illustrate what I think is going on in Peter's mind over here on this side. You- this is. You- hey, what's your name? Braxton. Braxton, that's a great name. Who gave you that? You. <laughs> My parents did. <laughs> you don't have any self-confidence issues, do you, Braxton? <laughs> what's your name? Delaney. Delaney. Well, that's a beautiful name too. Yeah. Are you related? We're you like each other? Oh, you're friends. Sorry, I didn't mean to overstep. <laughs> Didn't mean to overstep. Beautiful. This is all going to be good. Braxton, you're going to represent one of the voices in Peter's head, right? Since Genesis chapter 7, groups have been organized into clean and unclean, pure and impure, contaminated and holy. Since Genesis chapter 7, when the animals are going into the ark, we get the first division of things, right? So then Israel ends up in where? Egypt, Boy, they're not going back there again. So they come home and, and they, they, they realize they've disappointed God. They'll do whatever they need to do to satisfy God. So Israel makes a lot of rules to help themselves be a pure and holy nation, a chosen nation for, for God, right? Right. That's you. You represent this voice in Peter's head. In this thinking, they make these boundaries. They sleep right. They eat right. They plant their gardens right. They share right. They worship right. They have sex right. They take care of the elderly right. Everything has a rule. This is what the book of Leviticus is about. There's boundaries because we need to keep ourselves pure and holy and sinless. And when we make a mistake, thank God we have priests who will offer a sacrifice and take care of the problem In Braxton's corner of of the conversation here, we exclude ourselves. We need to because we're trying to be pure and holy for God. In this situation then, in Braxton's side of the, you're going to be with Braxton on this side of the room. Can you do this? Your words when the tug of war start are separate, sacrifice, spotless. We're going to practice. Separate, sacrifice, spotless. Can you do it again? Separate, sacrifice, spotless. And when you forget, one of you remind yourselves what the word is, okay? This is, bra- this is part of what's going on in Peter's head. Now, you over here, a few generations later, the prophets rise up and say, Do you, you know what the problem is? When you separate sacrifice and try and keep yourself spotless, when all your energy is for this, everything is internal. When you have, You've excluded everyone. I don't want, the prophet now speaking for God says, I don't want that kind of sacrifice, I need you to look out. I need you to see the widow and the orphan and the alien and the poor. In fact, I need you to embrace. So on this side representing the voice of the prophet, the prophet who speaks for God, our words over here are going to be mix, mingle and mend. Can you say that? Mix, mingle, mend. Again, mix, mingle, mend. Your words separate, sacrifice, go. And keep going. Game on. Oh, Pull. Pull. Separate, this sacrifice, fathers. Pull. Separate, sacrifice, fathers. Out. are you all right if yeah if you did like her before that we might have changed the equation a little right now <laughs> thank you very much hey thank you so much look there's food here anybody who agrees to help dessert you got to share with Braxton one for each of you do you you see right You see what's in Peter's head? Peter who comes through the Israelite tradition. Peter who's kept himself pure. Think Daniel in Babylon. Think uh, Sarah and Abraham and King Solomon and Deborah. Think all of the Israelite tradition. And then think the voice of the prophets who reminded the people, wait a minute, you've turned inward and you've forgotten to, to look out. There are two voices in Peter's head. And those two voices can't live together. Two voices in Peter's head, they're fundamentally incompatible, I think. You can't embrace the stranger if you're not allowed to sit at the table and share their utensils. How can you embrace the stranger if you can't touch their fork? Peter finds himself standing in front of Cornelius, staring at him and hearing all of these voices In his head. What's he supposed to do? Peter wouldn't conclude, friends, that there's a problem to eat with Cornelius, except that Peter has been taught there's a problem to eat with Cornelius. Now, I want to say a lot more about that. It sounds extremely harsh and judgmental, so I'm going to say that again. Peter wouldn't know there's a problem to be with Cornelius, except that he's been taught. There's a problem. There's been years of conditioning. Why? Because Israel is not going back to Egypt. Israel does not want to disappoint God. Israel goes then to Babylon, and now there's Jesus, and there's a new movement, and still Peter can hear the voices in his head. He's been conditioned to hear these voices. In Acts 11, Peter summarizes... If then God gave the same gift to them, the Gentiles, who was I that I thought I could prohibit God from giving them the Holy Spirit? All people are God's people. There are no favorites. Peter, here's Peter. I I think I'm really learning a new thing right now. All people are God's people. There are no favorites. Jesus has been through the cross and the grave and the resurrection to put on full display God's generosity And God's generosity is moving around inside of Peter's head. It's going to require some new habits on the way with Jesus. Peter will now eat soup with people he was absolutely opposed to. He will drink with those his grandfathers hated. Because on the way with Jesus, there's a radical kind of hospitality that will be called for. That's going to reshape these people, the voices in their heads. Peter has to come out of quarantine and mix with the people. You can't stay in quarantine and do the work of Jesus. If he's going to share Jesus' story, the story from the Jesus he knew, the Jesus who said, Peter, feed my lambs, he'll have to come out of quarantine. That thought of crossing the boundary is repulsive to Peter, I think. And it helps us to understand this. I was, um, before I flew out here, a couple days before I came here, I was sitting in a restaurant. I ordered some food, a little place close to our church where you can get Gardein, you know, the vegetarian product, right? We're 50-50 in our family, Full full disclosure. I'm vegetarian, one daughter vegetarian. My husband loves the animals. My daughter loves the animals. No judgment. I just sing all creatures of our God and King every time their chicken shows up. I do. It's great fun. So I ordered my little Gardein wings. They were Gardein wings, and I put sauce on them and all. I'd never had them before. I took a bite out of it and chewed it, and my husband said, are they good? He was eating a salad. I said, yeah, have one. He took a bite out of it. He said, you're eating chicken. I said, no, yeah, I'm not, because I would know if it was chicken. He took another bite. He said, oh, you're eating chicken. <laughs> so we called the lady over, and I said, I'm pretty sure this is animal she took the plate she came back mortified here came the supervisor and another we are so sorry we know that this is an ethical decision I got the whole speech the law of ethics written by Peter Singer I got the whole speech you know we know this is ethical for people and that this is this cuts to the soul I said you know it's okay it's it's, I'm gonna be all right while I'm picking chicken out of my teeth (laughs) In my mind, I'm thinking, could you just please stop talking about it? Stop talking about it. Stop talking about it, because I'm about to throw up. That's how real it is for me. Hey, this isn't anything about a holier-than-thou salvation or none of that. It's none of that. I was raised vegetarian. For me, the idea of biting into an animal, I, just have, I, 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 I get this gag thing. I can't do it. Yeah, I know. The food, the restaurant menus around here are slim pickings. I can relate a little bit with Peter because crossing over this border, if I had to eat meat every day, if that's the only thing people could put in front of me, crossing over that boundary, a little bit repulsive to me. It's, it's not just that it's offensive because I have this commitment to God. It's repulsive to me. I can understand Peter's dilemma to cross over this boundary We were on a trip, a group of students several years ago, I was studying the Greek language in Delphi, the ancient city Delphi, and we sat down in an old cafe with pre-ordered food for 20 of us, a three-course meal, Greek food that's going to be authentically good, beautiful, delicious. Out comes the first course, this wonderful spanakopita with the flaky pastry and the cheeses and the herbs, so good. I cut it in half, saved half of it because I didn't want to overeat. On the first course. There's still two more courses to go. Out come 2025 of the next plates. Huge platters. They take the lids off. And here is a huge chunk of some kind of animal. Some kind of some creature is there on the plate. With a big pile of french fries. Everything smothered in gravy. That good, rich, deep, dark kind. Right. They put all these 2025 plates down. We are 20 theology majors. around the table. We're looking at the creature and we're looking at each other. Well, if we don't ask, right? What are we going to do? We're a guest here, right? These people have been so generous and hospitable. The Apostle Paul makes it out on the table. You eat what's set before you. We begin to look around. If the professor eats, we'll eat. That was the decision. <laughs> Such a grown-up decision. We're going to do whatever the professor does. While we're talking all of this through, here come 20, 25 more plates to the table next to us. Off come their lids, and there is the spaghetti marinara. They got our meal. We got their meal. There were some very happy students that night. And then a few of us who didn't eat. Not because it was a salvation issue. For me, um, it, there, it, there, it was repulsive, Right? Peter wouldn't know except for that Peter has had an experience growing up in his faith and in his culture. Sometimes the things Peter taught, sometimes the things we are taught, the deep convictions we have, we have been taught that they came from God. And sometimes we are wrong. Sometimes we're wrong. I read an author On this passage just a few weeks ago. A contemporary author. And I will protect her name. She said of this story with Peter and Cornelius. You know it's a good thing we don't have this problem anymore. We got this stuff kind of worked out now. I mean we get the circumcision and all this. You know that's not what it's all about. So Peter's issue is not our issue. Christian author said. I don't know. I read in the newspaper last month. An article, a an religion article called this, whose side is God on? 70% of the US, U.S. population claims to be Christian. In about half of the states in our country, if you offend my religious ideas, I don't have to employ you or do business with you. I can just turn you away. I don't have to even do business with you. If you offend my own personal religions, uh, religious convictions in about half of the states in our country. So on the weekend, we sing, what a friend we have in Jesus. And on Monday, all bets are off. On the weekend, I open my Bible and we read the text, God's house is a house of prayer for all people. And on Monday, it's everybody for their own. On the weekend, the same Bible that we open and preach forgiveness and grace and acceptance, the same Bible on Monday is used to exclude people, at least in one of our states, not yours, not mine. If you offend me, I can withhold. If you offend my religious beliefs, I can refuse employment. I could fire you. I can refuse to purchase real estate from you or sell to you or rent to you. I can refuse foster care to you or adoption services if I find it offensive to interact with you based on my religious convictions. Done. Yes, good. Christians don't have this problem today. Maybe... We can go easy on each other, though, friends, when we find ourselves in this tug of war. It's biases and favoritisms and particularities, partialities, prejudices that have come to us that are not always run through the filter of Jesus. Maybe we can go easy on one another knowing how these deeply Deeply embedded biases have been growing. These are long ingrained habits for Peter, for the nation of Israel, for the people Jesus is working with who become his disciples on the way. It is Peter's groupness that is his problem. Peter's groupness, his idea of belonging to a group has shrunk down so that the gospel can't even survive In Peter's circle. Do you understand what I'm saying tonight? This doesn't mean we leave our groups. Oh, my word, this does not mean we leave our groups. The groups exist for so many beautiful benefits. We have to do life together. We have to have people we can worship with. We have to have people to study with. We have to have people to prod us, people to inspire us. We have to have people with, with whom we live out the life on the way. We don't leave our groups. We need groups. But if our group is shrinking the gospel, we need to rethink our group. We need to rethink the boundaries of the group. Peter can hear all the commands from Jesus, love one another. He can be on the way with Jesus. He can have Jesus looking in his eyes, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And still it will be difficult for Peter to sit down and have supper with Cornelius it's that deeply ingrained in peter remember i said the first night if you were here it's easier to talk about what jesus it's easier to talk about jesus than to talk about what jesus talked about it's easier to talk about god in general than to care for what god cares for so it is the people on the way we are, we are making these movements. And I name this one tonight because I find in my life and with my church, one of the things that blocks us from being on the way with Jesus, from understanding the power Jesus has that is dynamite that does not destroy, one of the convictions that blocks us can be our groupness. I'll have to be where the people are if I'm gonna care for them. And that may make us all uncomfortable. When I was a little girl, all the bad people were caught up in the Green Spot Tavern, and I knew where they were. We drove by it on our way back and forth to school every day and on the way back and forth to church on the weekend, the Green Spot Tavern in Vancouver, Washington. It still exists today, 3.5 stars on Yelp. But I knew as a little girl that's where all the bad people were, and I was not supposed to go there. On the way with Jesus, the radical hospitality will expand the borders and the boundaries we've put in place. And if we've been border making most of our life, boundary making most of our life, boundary breaking feels wrong. And then we remember our Jesus, right? See, the truth is from Leviticus all the way through to Jesus, people grew. People had new and more experiences. When they get the command, be holy, we heard be holy like God is holy, but no one can be holy like God. The text in Leviticus 19 actually says, be holy because God is holy. There's a vast difference. We will never be God's holiness on this earth. And if that's our focus as disciples with Jesus, we'll spend all of our energy on the inside. Does this make sense tonight? Are we okay? Leviticus also, uh, boy, Leviticus has instructions for everything. If you have mold in your house, you all have weather, wet weather here. Where I live, we don't. We have no water, you know that. In Leviticus, there's instructions for if you get mold and mildew in your house, you call the priest out. The priest grabs two birds and a red string and some water and goes through the house and sprinkles and dedicates and prays and gets rid of the contamination, the spots, because all of God's people need to be pure pure, and holy. No one's ever called me out for mold. We've learned some things since Genesis. Jesus tells us we have some more things to learn, Jesus tells us. I find this a hard teaching. I can just be honest with you. I am encouraged by Elder Jan Paulson's words. Elder Paulson was our general conference president a few years ago. I'm very inspired by this man. I was in a presentation once when he said this. Some worry That we will compromise our identity and values as Christians and as Adventist Christians. Dr. Paulson said, you know who you are. You know who you worship. You know where you belong and what your values are. So allow yourself to be drawn with a sense of security and strength into the lives of others. Begin a dialogue. Be a friend. Share meals and see what happens It's a gospel of deed, not word, that eliminates boundaries such as us and them. Amen. It scares us as people who have excluded ourselves most of our lives and created communities of safety for our children. This frightens us. I'm listening to Jesus tonight with the rest of you friends. How will we be on the way and exercise the gifts on the way, the power on the way, unless we can be where the people are? This morning, in the small group, we started to expand the list. What is it on the way that we see Jesus? What are the things we see Jesus employ? Last night I mentioned mercy, compassion, forgiveness, justice. This morning, the group added to the list presence and attentiveness, honesty, a witness. right? Hanging out with. What else would you put on the list that you, you see Jesus? What do you see in Jesus' hands on the way with people? What else would you put on the list? And just say it out from wherever you're sitting tonight. Compassion. Kindness, unconditional love, unconditional love. Understand. Understanding. Understanding. understanding, creativity, creativity. Service. service. Wow, yes. <coughs> what else? Pardon? Selflessness. Selflessness. Patience. Patience. Empathy. A genuine interest in the other. None of these things we've mentioned can be fully appreciated. If we're just by ourselves, it's really difficult to exercise all of these things when we're by ourselves. When I was a little girl, my mother tells me this story. I was too little to remember. We were driving on vacation, and my mother had a thing with the weather. She prayed for the weather always, for the weather to cooperate with the family plans. This particular vacation, she wanted no rain. Now you live in Portland. That's a ridiculous prayer, isn't it? But we prayed it all the time. We prayed for no rain for camp meeting, and it's a 50-50 up there. Camp meeting in July, it'll probably rain. On this vacation, she prayed for no rain to come to us. We were in a station wagon. This is old enough days where kids are not required to be in seatbelts, right? That's a while ago. So if you're a kid and you don't have to be buckled in, you know which part of the car you're going to be in. All the way in the back. All the way in the back, all four of us were all kind of huddled up in a ball. And my mother's in the front seat ranting that the rain has started and we're on our way for vacation and the rain and the rain and the rain and the forecast says it's going to rain all weekend. And my mother, but I prayed for dry, I don't even need sunshine, I just need dry camping with four children in the rain. My mother was very good at these rants, self-professed. She says that there was a little voice from the back of the car my voice that said but mama probably somewhere this weekend somebody prayed for rain probably Jesus is just taking care of somebody right now and mama maybe this rain's not about us maybe it's not always about us That's a really big lesson for people on the way with Jesus. Not every day and every moment is just about us. Thank you that we can rest in the goodness of God and Jesus, that pursuing holy, spotless, blameless lives is not our issue tonight, friends. If you worry about that, if you come in here worrying, if you go home worrying about that, my brother used to go to bed every Friday night crying, worried that he wouldn't be saved. If that is your worry, please lay it down tonight. Jesus did pay it all. So when we lay that down, then we have this spirit energy to be on the way with Jesus you think about that as we respond and sing together tonight?